right. Good morning, church. Take out your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24 is where we're going to be today. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to let you know that today at 2 o'clock, right here in this room, we are going to have a biblical counseling training 101 for our church. We want to be a church that is a haven for the hurting in our community. And, and what that means is that we as a church want to embody counseling that if you know someone in the community that maybe struggles with um, anxiety, depression, mental illnesses, things that, things that uh, many in our culture are, are exponentially, many, many more are actually struggling in many ways in our culture. And, and how do we as a church take the gospel counsel that heals a soul, heals a mind, that can heal those who are struggling with some of these things? Um, how do we combine that with a person in our community? Well, it's you. You know them. You work with them. They're your family member. They're your coworker. They're your neighbor. They're someone that you know. And what do you need to know to connect them to the biblical counseling that might be able to help them and heal their soul? And, and mostly with the gospel. How, how can you do that? Um, well, 101 training is, is teaching you that. It's the basics. And this is the one training we want all of our members to go through. And so Dr. Babbler is going to be here this, the, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, and he is going to be doing that 101 training for you. And so you're not going to miss it. We're going to record it, and we're actually going to make it an online training available for you later. So this, this, this training we're going to record, but we need a live studio audience. Amen? And so if you don't have uh, something else that you need to be at, or if the Cowboys aren't playing, I don't even know when they're playing, but uh, watch it on your phone and come to the counseling uh, uh, training. Today at 2 o'clock, I would really, really appreciate that. But this is the five-star number one candidate we could ask to come and do this one-on-one training with you. We are very excited about it today at 2, uh, so please come and be a part of that. And maybe even yourself. You may be battling anxiety, depression, maybe something that you're not, you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to handle it and you're, you're curious Maybe it's a starting point to you to just come today at 2 o'clock and just check it out. Listen to the training. Um, I encourage you to do that as well. Because every one of us at some point in life, we need counseling. We need to talk to someone. We need to process something because all of us have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We're in a fallen world. It's part of our experience. And you're going to need counseling. I need counseling. We all need counseling to get healing in different ways in life from time to time. Okay? I want to destigmatize that. Um, and so if you maybe struggle, come today at 2 and, and just see what the Lord does in your life. All right, so Matthew chapter 24, uh, 14 is the verse we're going to read. I'm going to read one verse, and uh, um, I know it's a shorter text. It's one verse that does not necessarily mean that it's going to be a shorter sermon. I just wanted to put that out there just to you just make sure that it was out there. All right, so... Jesus is talking in Matthew 24 in verse 14, and he says this, And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word, and Lord, we as your church, your family, uh, we sanctuary together. And we set aside the, the common things and we enter into this space where we turn our attention to you, we posture our hearts in worship, we say thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, as we do, as we sing praise, as we pray, as we 
Listen to your word. Fill our hearts with your your joy, with your love, with your goodness. Satisfy us. And Lord, in this text, we know it's not just words on a page. We know it's not just ancient literature. We know it is you who meet us in these very words. And so we sit with our souls quiet, attentive, and we ask that you speak. And Lord, the meditations that I've had on this text all week, I pray that it would just be honoring to you today in this conversation. And Spirit, you would take it and take us all where you want us to go. Speak to us, guide us, direct us, minister to us, but more than anything, just fill our hearts with your joy and your peace for your own glory. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. In 2003, I was brand new to ministry. I was about a five-year-old Christian. I was in the ministry, but I was doing uh, real, uh, what I call grunt work, you know, in the ministry, uh, learning what ministry is and all of this sort of thing. I've, I've just gotten into ministry. And at my quiet time one morning, um, uh, I was doing my devotional and I was in prayer and a strong conviction came in to my heart at that time. Uh, that, that there's one major area of uh, Christianity and discipleship that I had not really engaged with. There was one area that um, I just had not pursued. I, and it's not because I didn't think it was important. It was just because I just didn't think about it. I was a little bit just disinterested, and it just was over there. And, and I had a pl- place where I'm over here, and I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about these things. And God sort of went, hey, that over there, that's... It's important. In fact, you need to be engaged. And that area was short-term mission trips. Our church from time to time would promote short-term mission trips where we're going international to different places. And, um, and I would always, and I was a, actually a part of the administrative staff of the church and I would promote these trips and tell people about them and, and all of that. Um, but I had never gone myself. I'd never engaged them. So I'm, I'm getting a conviction from the Lord personally that he's, he's, he's saying that this is something that you, don't, you shouldn't just promote. This is something that you should go. And you need to be engaged with this. And it's important because I have something there for you. And so I, I, I felt the Lord kind of saying some of these things to me. And I said, you know what? I hear you, Lord. And in this moment, in this little devotional, I am going to make a vow. Lord, I vow to you that the next trip that our church promotes, no matter where it is, and no matter how much it costs, I'll go. I wrote it down in the journal, like write, typed it down or whatever. And I said, that's my statement. And, and I'm, now I'm just looking for where you have me. Now, that sounds all honorable. But what I knew in the back of my mind is I know when the next trip's coming. And it's a long way away. And it was to uh, a mission partner that we had in Juarez, Mexico. It's right across the border from El Paso, if you're not familiar with it. And so it was just like a bus ride and across the border, and it's like safe, and there was no plane ride involved. And I knew that there was a trip in a year and a half that was going to Juarez. It just wasn't being promoted yet. And I knew that that was going to be the next one down the pipe, and it gave me a year and a half to kind of plan for it. And it was not a big one. It was right there. And I had all this safe honorable vows to God in my mind, all right? And uh, so I walk out of that little devotional, and I got this vow thing. That Sunday, I go to church, 
And in these days, in 2003, uh, this is before all the digital stuff, everybody had devices that they did all that. And uh, we had, we, so what we did was we made up for that by printing out all the information on everything we did on all of the internet. <laughs> and you had a book handed to you every morning with all the information. Y'all remember those? All right? Okay. Some of you do. Some of you are like, I've never seen this before. Yes, we used to kill lots and lots of trees at the church, and we would hand you a stack of information. But we gave you a guide and everything that was needed to put in there. Occasionally in this particular guide, and I, and I actually knew everything that was going in that guide. Every week I was in a meeting where I knew what was going to be in the guide every week, and I planned it and it was a part of it. And this Sunday I go in there, and I'm responsible, so I'm checking my stations and stuff. I go in to check on the guide. There's 3,000 guides we're going to hand to people. And I look in this guide, and someone had taken and put an insert in the guide. And now that, first of all, upset me because how do I not know about an insert? What this means is that a church member, a rogue, rebellious church member, (laughs) went in there, printed their own 3,000 little inserts. Because when we would put an insert in in the guide, it meant that this was something that was extra special. This is something that got promoted big time because when you open the guide, it would fall in your lap. And you'd have to pick it up. And you'd have to read it then. And it got more attention than all the other things listed on there that you didn't pay attention to. Okay? But the insert. So some church member wanted that spot. And they printed it. And they put it in there. And I got to thinking, who circumnavigated my authority? Right? I was like upset at them. But you know the thing that really upset me? You know what was on the insert? A last call, desperation, we need one preacher to go to Korea. Am I right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you this was the Sunday after I said this vow. We need a preacher to go to Korea. And I'm sitting there going, first of all, preacher, Lord? And I'm like, I know I said that vow, but surely you don't mean this. Because what happened in that moment is a wrestle started in me, and I started coming up with all kinds of things in my heart. First of all, well, the good thing is, is this is not what the one that the Lord meant, because there's no way I could afford this. There's no way. The second thing, I'm not a preacher. So at the time in 2003, I was not actually preaching. I wasn't I wasn't known as that. I was doing life group studies and stuff like that, but I wasn't preaching. So I'm not, at the time I wasn't a preacher. So I was like, well, then he wants some big preacher, you know, somebody that does the big platform, you know, for big adult people. And I don't do that. So uh, that, that also disqualifies me. Um, so I just, and plus it's in a few months. I mean, I don't have a passport. I don't know. I don't even know how to get prepared for all of this. And would you know, I go to Sonny Deprang, who was the culprit. Now, Sonny Deprang was an older gentleman in our church, retired fire department guy, oozed Jesus out of his life. One of the most godly men I'd ever known. And God led him to do that insert, not as a rebel, not as a rogue member, but because God put it on his heart to do it. And I know Sonny Deprang and the insert and all of that was God's trap on me. <laughs> now, God's going to do that to you, too. You better believe it. You know, uh, he, he does, he's behind you, he's with you, and he's also ahead of you. And he's got traps in there, okay? And he's going to take you, and he's going to corner you in, and he's going to call you to trust him on something, and he's going to make you do deal with things. Because here's the thing, 
At that time in my life, it was fresh after 9-11, I did not want to get on an airplane anywhere. I had big fear in my heart for flying anywhere, much less across the Pacific Ocean. And yet here I am, I'm having to do that. I'm not really, uh, I didn't think of myself as a preacher. And, and yet he's asking me to come preach in a foreign land with a translator. I don't know anything about Korea. I don't, I don't know anything about all these things. I have all these fears that come up. What, I mean, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get in a plane crash. First thing that's going to I'm going to get in a plane crash. And Christy's going to have a testimony. She's going to travel America and tell them my story. And I was like, that's what you've got for me? And so I was a little upset about this image be coming into my mind. But this is the thought. I'm going to get in a plane crash. Oh, or you know what? I can get over there and I'm going to get sick. And they don't have good health care. And what's going to happen then? I don't have American health care. This thought comes to mind. All right? I'm, I'm going to get over there and someone's going to kill me because I'm an American. And I'm going to be a martyr. And then Christy's going to have a testimony. And she's going to travel the country and make all the book sales and do all that stuff. And, that, and, then, and, and that's going to be the thing. All of these scenarios play into my mind. All of my fears come surfacing up. And I know that God has trapped me, and this is why, because he knew if you're going to follow me and, have, and actually enter into that path for your life with me, you have to overcome some things that are in your heart. And when I draw you into this moment and I say this is what I want, and your resistors come flying up, we're going to deal with every single one of them. Because all of those things are impeding the plan I have for your life. And if you don't walk toward your fears in this very moment, it could be you're going to cut yourself off from an incredible thing that I have for you. But let's deal with it. I want you to go to Korea. That's what he said to me throughout that whole experience. I go to Korea. I get on that plane. I'm, and, I, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm facing my fear. I'm walking toward a lot of fears in my life. God met me on that peninsula in a very powerful way, in ways I can't even explain. I can only feel it. And I preach. And the cool thing about this, this thing was the pastors there wanted Americans to come. And so they'll take you by the hand and they'll say, hey, you're an American. You don't have to preach very good. All you got to do is do your best because all they want to do is hear from an American. So you're going to come with me. And we're going to go around this whole city, and I'm going to take you house to house to house, and you're going to share the gospel with all these people. And you know what? They don't know what you're saying. (laughs) What they know is what I'm saying. And I'm saying, in a general sense, what you're saying. (laughs) I'm telling them what they need to hear. (laughs) You just say the gospel, all right? And I'm going to translate, and I'll patch up all the little problems. They're going to think you're brilliant, all right? So here I am. In the house, though, and I'm looking at families, I'm looking at individuals, they are hard resistant to the gospel, and the pastor knows that if an American comes in, they'll listen to what he has to say. In fact, they'll let you in their house. He knows that, and so he brings the American, and we share the gospel house to house to house. In Dijon, in Mokpo, 10 days straight, I share house to house to house the gospel with all these people, and then all of them come to a big gathering at the church that night, where I also preach with, thank God, a translator who's really good at preaching. And... I preach all across Korea, and I experience the power of the Holy Spirit in ways I had never before experienced, ever in my life. Not just the way he worked, but to the degree he worked, the way he witnessed to my spirit, the way he gave me courage that I knew I did not have. I knew it was supernatural. I had a power and a courage and a confidence, and I wasn't afraid at all 
of someone killing me at all. And I was in that moment, and the Spirit was so powerful and so strong, and he met me there, and I met these people, and I realized that in Korea, Christian ministry and the church looks very different. The way the gospel expression is played out would never work in America. I, first thing I said, I knew that. Why? Because they have all-night prayer meetings as a church, and all of the church shows up. They pray all night, no sleep. They pray all night together like military, and then they get up, and all of them leave the church, and guess where they go? Work. I was a part of that, and I went, this will never fly in America if that's the requirement for membership. But you know what? There's a a different gospel expression in other parts of the world that's different than mine. I got to see the gospel expression in worship in different ways, and I've realized that my little paradigms aren't just all that God's all about. God's big and he loves variety and there's all kinds of ways to worship him and bring him glory and honor and all kinds of ways to do that and I got to grow I grew more in 10 days than I ever would have with a book over years in my hometown and in my comforts God taught me something on that trip God helped me overcome a whole lot of things And the bottom line is God uses short-term mission trips to do all kinds of things in our lives that are multifaceted and brilliant and beautiful. And you can't really know exactly how how he's going to work in your life until you go. And he's going to surprise you with some ways. In other ways, he's going to be ordinary. Over the last two years, short-term mission trips from a local church capturing the global mission of God has been completely locked down. Two years of that. And I'm troubled by that because if, if, if we fall into the habit of disassociating ourselves or getting disinterested or just completely just not addressing it or being engaged with it, it is an unhealthy thing for us as a body of Christ in this local context, Bannockburn. It is vital to our life, our spiritual life, our spiritual welfare, the health of this body, that we stay engaged to the global work of God and what he is doing on the earth right now. And I thank God that that door is open again. And so what I'm doing today is, in a sense, I'm taking paddles, and by the Spirit is taking paddles, and he is bringing to life an aspect of the ministry of the church that needs to be brought to life, and we need to re-engage, and we need to re-engage fully. Or we can get into some bad habits that are very unhealthy for us, where we don't, we're not engaged as much as we used to. And I want to re-engage it fully today. Re-engage fully with our short-term mission trips in 2023. A charge this morning, gird up your loins, Bannockburn, and let's re-engage. Let's feel the Lord lead us by his spirit to re-engage in this. And if you feel a disinterested thing in in short-term mission trips that are international, if you feel apathy, if you feel like, oh, this doesn't sound right, it feels like a burden, it feels like a groan, then that's why we need it even more. Because it's so important. If you feel disinterested, if you feel apathetic, or like I don't have the power, the motivation to really want that, that's why we need today. That's why we need it. Because we need to get back in. If you've never been on a short-term mission trip, you need to go. I'm not asking you to pray about going. I'm asking you to pray about where to go. And some of y'all are like, man, that's kind of strong, Pastor. Well, it ain't nothing new. Y'all know I said that six years ago. Same church, same location. I said the same phrase. 
Brian Brown was sitting right over here, and he went, well, that was strong. You don't pray about going, you just pray about where. Well, he wrestled with that for a minute, and then he thought, well, pastor said so. I'm retired. I've kind of always been interested in going to Africa. Looks like they got a trip to Ethiopia. Why not? He signs up. He goes all the way to Ethiopia. You know what happens? Jesus gripped his heart and set it on fire in the eyes of those kids on the street in Ethiopia. And he got consumed with the gospel ministry on the street in a town in Ethiopia. And it captured his heart to the degree that he is our leader to lead the trip for Ethiopia now. And he is passionate about you being passionate about what he's passionate about. He is caught up for those kids in Ethiopia. And it drives him to make great sacrifices. There's a great joy in his heart. There's a power in his life. He is consumed, and it's, and it's the life we're all supposed to live. He was in a table in Dripping Springs this morning. I walk up, and it's freezing cold. We're on top of a hill in Dripping Springs. The wind is whipping through the corridor, and it's freezing cold, as you guys know very well. And he's, at, he's got a table for the Ethiopian mission trip with all the kids' faces and pictures on it. And he's sitting there just doing this. Why? Why is he doing that? Because his heart is gripped with the gospel. Where did that happen? When he went. I could have never gotten them to feel those things in a book and hear from home. It's a short-term mission trip. So that's why I say it again. Because he got it. He caught it. And if you've never had that, or maybe you've had it and now you just don't know where that went. And you need it reinvigorated. You know how to do it. He'll meet you right there. He's at work. And yes, you may think to yourself you can't afford it. And God always overcomes that one. Always. You think you can't. You can. You can go. You think maybe to yourself that you're going to die in a plane crash. Yeah, you might think that. It might be something that well up in your heart. You may think that, um, you know, we need to be more focused on our local community. we got people right here that have needs. You know, and I said that, and of course we want to make needs of our local community. Absolutely, 100%. It's a, one of our primary responsibilities. But don't use that as an excuse to detach from the global work of God because you're afraid or because you whatever. We must be plugged in. I may get sick over there. What about the medical care? Yeah, you may have thoughts like that. You may, you may have fear rise up in your heart when you consider doing this. Somebody is going to make you a martyr over there. Yeah. Thoughts can come up like that when you decide you might want to go on a short-term mission trip. You can think all of these things or some of it or part of it. I plead with you this morning, especially if you've never been, just go. What I found out most of the time after I go on a mission trip is I look back at whatever fears I had that would have kept me from going, and I saw that all of them were irrational. All of them. None of them happened. Were they all potential of what could happen? Yeah, potential, yeah. You're in the safest place you've ever been, though, when you're walking with the Lord and going where he wants you to go. Just go. That's the message. Pick a trip and go. In our passage today, Jesus had just told his disciples, they were coming out of the temple at prayer time, and he just told them they were marveling at the structure of the temple. 
in Matthew 24, or actually Matthew 23 at the end, and, and they were marveling at all of it, and, and Jesus said, hey guys, y'all, y'all think all this is pretty cool? Yeah. Not one of these stones will be left on top of one another. They will all be thrown down. They will all be thrown down. And uh, can I show you something really cool? I'm going to take a trip, and we're taking about 30 of us to go to Israel. And we're going to go to this very place where Jesus said this, to the Temple Mount. And this is a video I took last time I was there. I'll take you all there, and you'll have to go. See those stones? You're in the Western Wall. They call it mockingly the Wailing Wall. You're not supposed to call it Wailing Wall while you're there. But this is where the Jews go to pray, and they pray where the temple was destroyed. That's a big retaining wall is all that is for the temple mount that's on top of that. There's a big, huge yard on top where the temple was. And they tore the temple down. In AD 70, Rome came and tore the temple down and literally took the stones that Jesus was talking about and threw them over the side of that wall, and they crumbled down to the bottom. This is a photo, and you see those stones that are stacked up at the the top back there? That's an archaeological find where they dug down, they tried to leave it as preserved in its original uh, context as much as possible, and really those stones cry out, and they cry out one thing, Jesus called it. He said, literally, these stones will be thrown down, literally taken. The Romans took all the stuff that was built on top of this wall, and they come over and they threw it over the side of the wall, and they stacked them right there in rubble at the very base. That is the destruction of the temple from AD 70. This is where the Jews go pray to weep over the destruction of the temple and pray to God every day in the location closest to where the temple they thought might have been on the temple mount. Those stones say Jesus is the Messiah. Why? Because Jesus called it. He called it. He said these stones will be thrown down and there they are. The other thing that Jesus is saying These stones will be thrown down. Why? Because there's only one sacrifice needed, and that sacrifice has been made. No more sacrifices. No more. It's done. In AD 70, they went away, and they've not returned. One sacrifice has been made for all. The Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He came. He is the sacrifice. You don't need to become a Jew to get into the covenant of grace any longer. The door has been opened. You can go straight to Jesus Christ. He is the sacrifice, satisfies once and for all anyone who comes to him from any part of the earth, no matter what your background, no matter what you've done. Sin is not the problem between you and God. That's been dealt with. The problem is your response to the gospel. It's open. It's available. You can be forgiven. Step into it. That's what those stones say. And Jesus called it. He says, they will throw them all down over the side. So the disciples walking along with him say, that kind of interests me. What do you mean? How long is that going to take? When is that going to happen? And Jesus begins to talk about this moment in AD 70, but he also is talking about a very large moment called the last days. And, what he, and it gets real foggy in Matthew 24, and uh, he talks talking about all kinds of things mingled together, Jesus does, and talking about the last days. Jesus said, basically, from my first coming and my second coming, there's this time period, and that time period is called the last days. 
in the last days, these things will happen. There'll be rumors of war and all kinds of things. He said there's going to be a cyclical problem, a pattern that happens from the destruction of temple all down. There's going to be dark times when people feel like the gospel's hanging on by a thread. Darkness is winning uh, and, and we're losing and the church is going to get snuffed out. And there's going to be constant seasons of us feeling that way. And so don't be tempted to think that the end is coming just because you see some of these signs that the, the darkness is going to win. You ever felt like darkness is going to win in your life, in your culture? In your country? You ever feel like we're just hanging on by a thread? Hey, guess what? It's not anything new. It's the season we live in called the last days. From the first time Jesus came until the end, this is going to happen. We're going to feel like the gospel's hanging on by a thread. Is the gospel hanging on by a thread? No. In 2,000 years, it has spread the globe. Time after time, it has been tried to be snuffed out. It can't kill it. It's spreading the globe. And Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. And what does he mean by that? He's saying there's this slow growth of the gospel throughout the whole world that will happen over long periods of time, even in periods of darkness and good times and bad times and all these wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all kinds of things, all labor pains, all going to happen during the last days. But then he says, but when I come, let me make sure you know this, no one knows the hour, nor me. Do y'all get that? Jesus doesn't know when Jesus is coming. Just take that in for a minute and throw away all your charts and graphs that tell you when the time is Jesus is coming. Because <laughs> he doesn't even know. And trust me, if Jesus doesn't know, I promise you no one else knows. And if no one else knows, then there is no code in the Bible that secretly documents everything. And all if we could figure the code and crack the code, we would know. We would see where we are. Forget all that. And Jesus said, forget all of that. They asked him in Acts 1, he says, the time is here. Don't worry about that. Look at the mission. You're not supposed to know the days and the times. Don't worry about that. Know that it's coming and let it encourage your heart in the midst of trial. It's coming. And then the second thing he said was, it will be no secret. Every person on the world will know this has happened. It will be the most glorious, spectacular event the world has ever seen you have never seen anything like it lightning from horizon to horizon at every point all across the earth the son of god and his glory is going to be seen how is he seen from every part of the globe all at once right i don't know but he will and it'll be the most glorious thing you've ever seen two responses the people who've been waiting for him will have their hearts explode with happiness and joy all in a moment. And you probably couldn't handle this kind of joy if it hit your life in a moment right now. The other response will be absolute terror. And they will run into the earth and they will say, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows what is happening, even those who don't know him. Every eye will see him, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He will rule, he will reign, he will bring justice, and he will judge the earth as the Messiah and the coming king. Now those two things happen, his first coming and then his second coming. But in between is these last days, the age of the Gentile, the time and period where God is bringing in the Gentile. You don't have to become a Jew to get into covenant of grace any longer. You go straight to Jesus and you can get in the covenant of grace with God by faith in the gospel, Jesus Christ. 
So he's bringing in the Gentile, not just the Jew. That covenant has been opened up. The Gentile is being brought in. He's been being brought in for about 2,000 years now. He will continue to be brought in. And then Paul says in Romans that he's got a number. And when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, done. The end will come. The gospel will be heralded to every part of the earth. Then the end will come. The Gentile, the fullness of the Gentile will come in. Then the end will come. You can also call that time period the church age, when the church is growing, proclaiming the gospel, doing the mission of God, and we're spreading the gospel throughout the whole earth as it's slowly but surely sort of making its way to every nook and cranny of every part of the whole globe that we have churches that are gospel pro- proclaimers in every part of the whole earth, in every tribe, language, tongue, and everything. That is going to happen. No one can stop it. Even if you tried, you would only fuel it even further. That will happen. You know why? Because it's God's work. It's what he's doing. And he's going to bring it all to a head at the end. So what's my whole deal with this text? We are in the last days right now. And you say, I knew it. Because look at what happened politically and all that. No, no. (laughs) We're in the last days theologically. We're waiting on the second coming of Christ. These are the last days. These, this will be characterizing of that. But what do we do in the last days? We spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. We continue in that mission. Every church needs to be a part of their local impact, but they need to be, have, be connected and engaged with where the gospel isn't and where it needs to be and being a part of the expansion into every part of the globe. That's what we need to make sure that we are tied into. How do we tie into that in a deep, healthy way for all our souls. Short-term mission trips, we actually go there. We go to these places. We go to partners that are international, and we meet them, and we serve. We serve them. We serve the people that they serve. We join them in the ministry. We get a, a taste of what God's doing on the earth, and our hearts are impacted incredibly. My dad went to a, a, a Honduras my freshman year of high school, and he went there for 10 days because he just never seen Honduras. He came back with his heart on fire trying to convince my mom that we need to sell the company that he started, making tons of money with in Florida. He's going to sell the company and move to Honduras. You don't know my dad. This man was an alien. I don't know what he's talking about. This man loved money, making money and building houses and doing the next thing in the 80s in Florida. Now he wants to sell it all and move to Honduras. It took him two weeks to cool down, but he did. He still owns his company and does all of that stuff. But your heart is affected with the gospel ministry, and you will become greatly sacrificial when you do. We as a church collectively stay plugged into the mission of the gospel in two ways I want to emphasize this morning. One way, we plant churches in North America where the gospel is needed most. In other words, we don't go to Birmingham and Nashville because there's a ton of churches on every corner that are proclaiming the gospel there. Now, there's nothing wrong with planting a church there. Fine. But we kind of want to go where the gospel's not, where the gospel's needed, right? And so we pick cities where the gospel's needed. We pick two. One is Anaheim. We have a church planting partner in Anaheim, California. Some of y'all think that's the heart of the beast. Uh, Well, Anaheim, California, it's a hard place for the gospel. There's very little gospel witness actually there. Yeah, it's in America, but there's actually very little gospel witness there. Churches have a hard time making it in Anaheim. And uh, so Echo Church is one of our partners. Do we have that slide there? So this is Echo Church, and uh, Jason Polk put a video together, he and his wife. He's pastoring there. They're planning this church. We're a two-year partnership with them, and he had a little video that he wanted to, to, to talk to you guys directly. So 
we can play that now. Hi, Bannockburn. Uh, my name is Jason Polk, and, and this is Rachel, and we are with Echo Church in Anaheim, California. We are so thankful for you and your prayers and your support that you give Echo Church. Um, we could sit here all day and tell you all the many ways that God has been moving because of your prayers and support. Yeah. Um, just this year, we have uh, baptized five. We've seen four give their lives to Christ. Um, just this year, God is growing. He's moving in our church. Um, we are in a, currently in a space that we have already outgrown and we're looking for new space. The way that you support us financially, the way that you pray for us, uh, gives us more opportunity to, to grow, to continue to advance the kingdom of God and to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish here in this place. So thank you for all you do. Keep praying, uh, keep giving to your church, and uh, we love you so much. Thanks, Bannockburn. Bye. So that's our partner in Anaheim. We also have a partner in Quebec, Canada, um, and uh, La Chapelle is a French-speaking ministry church in a French-speaking city of Quebec, and they are doing great ministry. And um, the Pastor JP, I call him JP because it's something very French, and I can't pronounce it, but I saw J and P in there, so we call him JP. Uh, but La Chapelle is a powerful church doing a great work. He also recorded a video. I wanted to talk to you directly, so we'll play that video real quick. Hey, Bannockburn Church, it's JP from uh, La Chapelle, Quebec City. I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for your support, your prayers, and your generosity toward us. Uh, we're so grateful for your church. We're so grateful for your pastor and all the leadership team uh, for your heart and your vision for church planting. It makes a huge difference uh, for us here up north in Quebec City. And just to give you an idea, uh, we launched the church last year in September 2021. And since the launch of the church, we baptized 48 people so far. And as we speak, we are now having two services every Sunday morning. Uh, and more than 600 people are in church every week. Uh, so it's a miracle because uh, we are in the province where less than 1% of people are Christian. So God is on the move here in Quebec City and uh, you are making that possible with your support, prayers and generosity. So thank you again. We're so grateful for you guys and I hope we will be able to see each other in person very soon. So until then, God bless you guys. Thank you again. We're so grateful for church. He said, amen, amen. He said less than 1%. In Quebec, are Christian, less than 1%. So you can see the gospel's needed there. Churches are needed there. Churches who are reaching people and proclaiming the gospel are needed there. It's incredible. So that's our two church planning partners in North America. I'm going to walk through quickly our international partners. The first one is ALM. We have a trip going to Taiwan next summer. Some of you uh, should consider going on this trip. It's with our own uh, Sherry Shimray, uh, her, her late husband, Edward Shimray, a beloved member of our church started ALM years and years ago. They were church planning through across northern India. They also had uh, a partner in, in Taiwan that they're serving. We will be going to Taiwan this year, maybe next summer. If you want to join that, there's uh, information that you can you can get online about um, finding out more about that trip and being a part of it. Children's Hope Chest Ethiopia, the Brian Brown, I just told you about him. That we will be having a trip this summer to Ethiopia to see these kids, to minister to these kids. 
You can get more information about them uh, also on the website on our mission page, and you can find out more about them. Amigo Fiel, we're going to Juarez, Mexico. You remember the safe trip that I was telling you about that I knew was coming? That's actually the same partner. I love these people. Um, Carlos spoke here years ago. I don't know if you all remember Pastor Carlos. Uh, He was a street kid in Juarez, got saved, and goes back to minister to street kids. The families, the, the parents work across the border and they leave Monday and come back on Friday where the kids are just left to themselves to go to school every day. Well, guess what they do after school? Whatever they want. They end up going on the street, they get in trouble. And he goes back and creates a ministry to help the kids and get them taken care of during the week when their parents may not be taking care of them. And it's called Amigo Fiel in Juarez. We will have a spring break trip to Juarez this coming spring break. So just know we will be going, and if you want to go on that, we need to get your information very quickly. And then Macarios, Dominican Republic. Same kind of situation in a very poverty-stricken part of Dominican Republic, but there's a vision to plant a a classical Christian education where you get these kids to come and be educated, and then we're trying to train them up to be leaders in their whole country, to the future leaders of the Dominican Republic through this. And it's in a, a, a poor area, but you will worship the Lord on a roof called the Mac House, where we're all where we all stay there's mountains all around and you will have a worship service every night thinking about how the Lord used you that day in the lives of those kids and you'll worship the Lord and you'll debrief and you'll ask the Lord how he's working and your heart will be caught on fire um, on this trip and so consider this is a trip that's that we want our students to own here in South Austin and in all of our campuses that our students high school particularly would be going here and developing a relationship with the ministry that's happening um, there in the Dominican Republic. We are wanting to have a trip there this spring break. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we just want to submit to you and we ask you to just take us where you want us to go. Um, To walk with you is the most important thing in all the world, more, more important than anything. And so we ask you to captivate us with this, captivate us with the mission that you're doing in the world. Lead us and guide us. Give us courage. And then, Lord, just meet us there and bless us. We want to be a part of what you're doing. And so we commit to that this morning. Speak to us now in this time of response. God, our thoughts, our minds, our prayers into your will. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.